is it on the market right now? Like it's literally on the, right. It now. is on the market right now. Yes. Oh man. So when did you put it on the market? Uh, last Tuesday. And is this like an offer date thing? Are you going through the craziness? Did you, because you're a terrible realtor, underprice it and and expect four thousand know showings, or or what approach did you take given today's market? I did underprice it, and it didn't work. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Real Estate Video Course. Today's real estate industry has changed, and you can no longer rely primarily on door knocking, cold calling, and geo farming. While these strategies still work, video provides something that these traditional methods just don't. And that is leads that reach out to you because of you and the message and content that you are providing. I believe that video is king and that through video, you can leverage your message, create stronger relationships and become the authority on real estate in your marketplace. The real estate video course is a five part course that will teach you the fundamentals of video, including why it's so impactful, the equipment that you need to invest in to get started and the proven tips and strategies used to ensure long term success. So go to videocourselogin.com today to become a true creator, level up your editing and production skills and develop your real estate video plan to leverage your message to current and prospective clients. That's videocourselogin.com. The link is below in the description. And don't forget to use the discount code TOMSHOW at checkout for 10% off any purchase. That's videocourselogin.com and use the checkout code TOMSHOW. That's T-O-M-S-H-O-W. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. We are recording. We are live. Well, kind of. Now what do we do? <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, first off, why why are we doing this? Why are we starting a podcast now? Are we 10 years too late? Are we late to the party? Uh, what are we going to talk about, Steve? Uh, we're probably doing this because uh, we like to hear ourselves talk and yep. we think we're really smart. Or um, you and I really appreciate hearing what's going on in the marketplace in, in our business, both from a user or an end user, like homeowner investor point of view, but probably yeah. also from a real estate industry point of view, and let's face it, outside of uh, adult entertainment, real estate entertainment is probably one of the top uh, internet, uh, I guess, traffic sources out there, right? So I think, um, you know, in, in the event that we can get everybody's attention with, with our smarts, that we could have a lot of great conversations here, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I agree with everything you said, other than the smarts part. But I think we can figure that that out along the way. Um, and I think you know what people can expect from this is you know we're going to try and be very consistent with this. It's going to be me and Steve talking about issues in the market, things that are going on in our lives. We're going to bring on different guests, and it's going to be real estate focused, but not just real estate. And I think both Steve and myself understand that we have two different audiences. We have the audiences of the people that already watch us on potentially uh, YouTube or Instagram or other platforms. And then we have the the other side of the audience, which is the industry audience, which is real estate agents, because a lot of real estate agents consume our content also. So I think we're going to find that nice balance in the middle of of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. 
and because we're friends and we talk so we may as well put it out there and expose it to people and like i said have great conversations right or terrible conversations that people hopefully still want to listen to yeah we'll, we'll find out over time um you know one of the things that is making big big news uh right now and i saw this yesterday because i get to do a lot of the media stuff in my market i had three different media outlets reach out to me because the rates went up again and i don't like i think it's kind of boring talking about the fact that the rates keep going up because we knew this was going to happen but in your market and then we'll go back to Toronto. Maybe we should actually explain this first. So, Steve, where do you sell real estate? Where are you located at the moment? I am born and raised in Surrey, BC, which is about 30 minutes outside of Vancouver. We are the suburbs of Vancouver, and my particular city is uh, kind of the uh, the lower reputation. Okay. Right? It's where all the people live. It's where all the working class live. But, right. you know, it, it doesn't have the best rat. Like I would, if anybody is listening to this out of Ontario, you know, it might have a similar reputation to like Brampton. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So you, you, that might be like every area kind of has a, that one neighborhood where it's like, oh, you've been to New York, you've been to Staten Island. No, <laughs> I would never go to Staten Island, right? Because you don't go when you travel to that city, you don't do it. So I am in the suburbs of Vancouver, and you are on what I consider to be the other coast, but you guys think you're in the center of the country. Uh, well, we are the greatest city in the country. <laughs> I think we just lost half the listeners already. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm similar in the fact that I was born and raised in Toronto, uh, pretty much been here my whole life. I run my business out of the city most of the the work that we do happens in the core of the city. I'm not traveling to the suburbs too often. And um, so when they raised rates yesterday, I got the overnight rate to 1.50. Pre-pandemic, we were at 1.75. But, you know, interest rates going up, Bank of Canada, it's really just the variable rate. What no one I've heard talk about yet, at least, was we're making these comparisons back to, okay, we're not quite where we were pre-pandemic with overnight rate. But Fixed rates weren't four and a half percent in 2019. Yeah. Right? They were not. And the thing that I think everybody's missed, because as real estate agents, everybody's like, oh, it's a good time to buy. It's always great. Everything's always rosy. And you and I have been around long enough to know it's cyclical. Like 2017 for you guys was terrible. We didn't yep. see 2017 being an issue. But everybody's saying, oh, well, we're just back to pre-pandemic or almost pre-pandemic levels. So everything's going to be fine. The problem with that is... I mean, I'll give you my house estimate example. Um, Pre-pandemic, my house might have been worth a million to 1.1. Yeah. And now they were selling at the peak of the market uh, in my neighborhood for like a hair under 2 million bucks. So they've seen like a 100% increase in two years. Uh, let's call it an 85% increase. So now I'm starting to see them sell under 1.7. Right. So that's what's going to happen as a result of the market and, and interest rates. But the biggest thing is when that overnight lending rate was 1.75, people were getting mortgages that were crazy at that time at $500,000. Right. And now I'm seeing people getting mortgages at 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. And the interest rates are, are rising back to or probably above pre pandemic levels. You know, and that was the analogy I used in the most recent YouTube video I put out, which almost is exactly what you explained to me, right? You walk into the casino with $1,000, you get to $2,000, you go to roulette, you hit red, you double your money, 
and then you lose four hundred dollars the rest of the night. Do you walk? Did you win six hundred or did you lose four hundred? Because basically, you told me your house was worth basically a million. Stuff got to two million. Now it's selling at one point seven. So as a homeowner taking yourself out of being a real estate agent, did you just lose a bunch? I guess you only lost money if you refinance your house at two million, right? But that's not what I want. I don't think we should, as an industry, be worried about that. Yeah, we mm -hmm. should. Um, well, I don't think we should be worried because long term outlook, I think, is going to be great. But um, I think we really likely need to worry a little bit about where our clients are going to be when they have these massive debts if we indeed do end up at much higher interest rates when they renew their mortgage. Because a trend, actually, I was just talking to my team here in the office this morning. The trend that I'm seeing now is variable rate mortgages mm, because yep. they're cheaper. Yeah. Right. So like you had mentioned, a five year uh, pre pandemic was still like 3%. So what's that all going to do when you've got all these people that used to go almost 100% into uh, fixed five year fixed rate mortgages, and they're all opting into a riskier uh, variable rate mortgage, right? 60% so, probably. I guess what, so the, the gap is, is big right now between variable and fixed. And, you know, with the changes yesterday, I'd have to check exactly because I have variable on a few properties, you know, what actually happened with my payment and where I'm at exactly now, prime minus whatever I got. Um, but what's the bank telling us when the gap between variable and fixed is a point and a half? Are they telling us that they believe in, like, like as a consumer, is that showing that their stabilization is going to stabilize here in terms of the market because there's that gap? Or are they saying, just take this one? Because the five-year fixed rate mortgage is probably the best product that the bank can sell to a consumer. So what, I mean, I, here, here's the part where we're good at what we do as, as real estate agents, but maybe need to get better at understanding the finances of it. Right. These are not related interest rates. No, I know. Right. So having never personally been in, in a, uh, in a time myself lived through it financially where I saw increasing interest rates, uh, as a result of, you know, the inflation number and bond yields, it's gonna be an interesting time because that's really the thing is nobody has, everybody's like, I, I got an idea. I know where rates are going to go. I, this is what's going to be better. You can't guess nothing. I don't even right. think Bank of Canada it. knows. Bank of Canada stated what pre-pandemic rates would be record low until the end of 2023. And here we are second quarter of 2022 mm -hmm. and they have they're saying that they're going to double them from where they are now. So the, I do think that that will happen. I just think it'll happen a lot faster and then they'll turn them right back down again. Yeah, that, so that's the thing. That's the logic, right? It's like, okay, well, we have to bring rates up to fight inflation. But when it gets to a point that the economy is not chugging along like it has, and, it, and it's going to happen, obviously, if we're comparing it to the amount of money that was printed over the last few years flowing into the economy and the amount of people that were basically being able to live for free based on what the government was doing. And you can have your opinions on that either way. That's all good. They're bringing them up to then bring them down, right? That's the logic. Eventually, they've got to come down. I would think so. Right. I would think that what they, I mean, I'm no central banker. Right. Um, but I would think the idea is we see hurt in the future coming 
So we're going to ratchet them up right now so we can relieve that hurt. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're almost ripping off the Band-Aid uh, as quickly as we can. Now, I think we should have started slowly tearing off that Band-Aid a year ago. <laughs> yeah, they came too late right? to the party. Yeah, But it's hindsight. It's hindsight. So um, it, it's going to put people in an interesting spot. And I, I'm, I mean, I, I just hate when people say, well, this isn't going to end well. Right. You'll hear people all oh, this is never going to end well. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's never going to end because we're going to see it down and we're going to see it back up again. We're going to see it down. We're going to, we're probably going to see that you and I in our careers. Well, you're younger than me. So you'll see it a couple more times, but probably once every five to seven years, you're going to see yeah. a rapid swing in the market, either yeah. up or down. So um, I'm not necessarily worried about that. But what I wanted to ask you is I saw something uh, that you put out kind of publicly that said, you're actually considering doing something and being crazy and, and taking the wild risks of getting involved in this market when everybody else is saying, don't do anything in the market because the market's so crazy. So yeah, first of all, you're, you're planning on selling or you already did sell a property in what is now a quote unquote bad market. I have a condo up for sale right now that I own. I don't currently live in it. Um, but how the market's trended now from the moment I moved out and rented it out till today, it really hasn't gone up that much in value. So maybe that's good on a capital gain sense in the future when I sell it. But looking back, you know, I bought this property in 2016, end of 2015, maybe, and I paid $570,000 and, um, being super conservative with sales in the area. And even though the market has shifted down, um, it's worth about $900,000. So wow. The initial money I put in, the principal pay down, the equity build up, everything. You know, I'm sit. There's a lot of equity in that property, and I'm kind of looking around, going, you know, I just became a dad. I I like where I live now, but it's not the house. You know, it's like it's not. I've I've more spread out my investments where I didn't buy one big house. I had a bunch of smaller houses because I thought, you know, this just makes sense long term for me, and ha has put me in this position now. Um, but yeah, I'm going to sell my condo because condos have been affected, but not as much as the type of property I want to buy, which is a detached house. And if I look overall, the, the median price for condos is only down 20 to $40,000, depending on asset class from the peak of the market. And when I say peak, let's just talk about before rate hikes this year, right? And that was the second and, and third week in February. And then it correct. Was like so early early february prices and then if i look at what i want to buy the detached house is down today 150 grand from the peak okay but let's go let's stick with the because people are scared terrified everybody's listing their properties and understanding that they're going to sell for less than they would have sure. but they're still going to sell for more like you uh are saying right because there's a big profit here and there's even uh a portion of that was your principal residence at some point so i kind of want to dive into all that so this is a property that you owned on your own or was this one of your partnerships? I own this one on my own. I, I lived in this property for four years before I moved to where I am now. Okay. So principal residence. So then there's some sort of capital gain. Has it increased since you moved out or no? Not a ton. Because honestly, I moved out in 2019. Condo market took a beating in 2020. Jumped up a bit in 2021. But now it's kind of cooled down a bit. So I'll pay a bit of capital gains, but it's not going to be anything major. Is it on the market right now? Like it's on the, right It now? is on the market right now, yes. Oh man. So when did you put it on the market? Uh, last Tuesday. 
And is this like an offer date thing? Are you going through the craziness? Did you, because you're a terrible realtor, underprice it and and expect 4,000 you know showings? Or, or what approach did you take given today's market? I did underprice it and it didn't work. And, wow. and I just adjusted price yesterday or yeah, yesterday. And now we're sitting at offers anytime. And there's been some decent traction. I'm getting calls. Like I'm not worried about this thing selling. It's just, it's not happening in a week anymore. And I've made a decision with my team moving forward is that every property we list, unless it's like a house in a specific area with super low inventory moving forward, we're just going to list at real prices. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just, and the problem is, and here's what's going on, because we expect rates to go up again, we're heading through this transition zone right now until I think the end of summer for the next three months. Nobody knows what anything is worth. Nobody. We're going to have a good summer, man. It's going to be nice and relaxing for, for all of <laughs> Just us. Just nice, like negotiating back and forth. And you're like, well, this comparable, this comparable. Yeah, but this sold then before the rate hike then. And like, we don't know because things are changing so rapidly. And I'm hoping by the end of summer, they cool off on the rate hike for a second. We move into September and we all at least can go like, okay, we have enough data now. Let's go back to, we can say what this is worth with almost certainty right now. Who knows? So how many showings did you get since? So let's say you what are you put it on last Tuesday or whatever. We've been up for like eight days, I think six showings so far. Okay. So hey, currently in my market right now with yeah. my listings, and I've got more listings than I've had since 2014 on the market at any one time. That's as many showings as we've had on all of our listings combined outside of open houses. Interesting. Interesting. Right. And and because I've got other condos on the market for clients, obviously, right now, and they've been much more active than my own property. And I think the reason why is price point. Um, yeah, it's because you're the owner and you think it's worth more than it no, is, just like everybody. I, I, I wish that was the case because then at least I could have a reason why. But it's, you know, this property at 900 grand, it's a smaller percentage of condos that sell in that range. You know, like under 800 and really under 700 is still active. Anything over that, uh, there is just the, you're playing in a smaller sandbox. Yeah. So you, it's going to take longer. Heaven forbid it takes, oh, I don't know, 14 or 30 days to sell sure. a property. I know a lot of uh, new agents in the business are going to have to get a second job because they're terrified they can't sell something in four days. Well, they're going to have to learn um, what a condition is, what they're going to have to do. <laughs> I've got a funny story about that we should save for another episode. Yeah. Um, so you're going to sell. You're not worried about that. You're nope. you're you know that you're not going to get as much as you would have should you have been on the market two sure. months ago, three months ago. So you sell. Let's say whatever you sell for, um, you're now going to take that capital out and do what with it? Take that capital out plus some that I've saved over the last few years um, and put that as the down payment for the house. Now, I think net i will come out ahead here because if i had done this in february and sold my condo for 950 or a million bucks and then one and bought a house i actually even if i sell this for nine or eight even 850 honestly at this point and look at where house prices are going because they accelerated so so fast um i'm going to come out of this ahead in terms of overall dollar volume now you can say interest rates are different you can have that conversation as well but if I had bought in February, I probably still would have taken a variable. So I would have been at the same point anyways. Yeah. Do you, do you usually pick variable? 
I've always taken variable. Yeah, on every really. Time. Oh man, you're risky. I'm Mister Conservative over here. I've never taken a variable until I got. Uh, I have a Manny Life one on my principal residence, and yeah. let me tell you, man, I should have gone variable in the whole bloody thing, but I didn't. Um, right now, for the last year mm-hmm. of my refinance, I'm going to look super smart because now my my uh, five year fixed is really low. Yep, but. I know next time I take it, I might roll the entire balance of the fixed portion back onto the Manual Life One because I just think it's going to be a, a better spot. It's always be. moments in time. Like I even I had a client that bought a house late last year and he got a fixed rate under two percent, five year fixed under two percent. And he had someone come up and he called me last week. He's like, you know, family situation, whatever might be might be moving out of the out of the province. You know, should we sell this thing? And we were talking about the fact that selling it with a takeover if the bank would allow it of the fixed rate which like hasn't happened in wet how long could actually help our sale and get us more money because we can port this mortgage over to the buyer um which frankly in my almost decade of doing real estate i've never had to do you never done an uh, an assumption uh, so uh assuming a mortgage yeah used to be a big thing it is also never been a thing uh, that I've ever done. I've done some pretty interesting things to get deals together, but um, that's one that's never actually worked out. So we'll find out. I don't. How know. much are you gonna? How much are you do you think? So between like peaks of the market, selling, buying, all this stuff, how much better are you expecting to do between like in dollar cash? Sure. Um, between what you could have done at one point versus how much how much are you saving for the new I, purchase so i think i'll be i think i'll be up or i'll, I'll have saved between 100 and 150 thousand dollars of purchase price from selling the condo for 50 grand less than i would have in february but buying a house for 150 or 200 less than i could have in february wow yeah that's insane so now if you do that uh you where do you buy a detached house in toronto like, they do they exist. still have detached houses in Toronto? We do. We actually have lots of them. The reason why semi-detached or what you guys call our uh, duplexes, um, the reason why we don't have a lot of semi-detached sales is because there's just not as many of them. So there is a lot of detached houses in Toronto. Um, I would probably go a little bit east from where I am now. I like the Danforth area. Um, Riverdale and Lesseville is probably too expensive to buy what I want. Um, but surprisingly, like... There was two houses last week in the beaches, really nice detached houses that sold well under $2 million. So it's like they exist. And in this rising interest rate environment, I'm in a good position where I can sell this condo. I don't live there. I currently live at another property. I can sell the condo, get the money, put it in my bank account and be patient and then buy when I want this summer. Like I, there's no like ticking... There's no timing on this. I, I can do this, and I don't see house prices going up again until interest rates stabilize. Isn't that the cool part now that this is where I'm going to put on my two-faced realtor hat and say, isn't that the cool part now, though, where buyers can be like, oh, I get to pick. Yeah. I get to great. go out and see five properties in a weekend, and I get to think about it overnight. Like they, I, here's, here's why people don't appreciate that, I find, mm-hmm. or why sellers um, don't necessarily mind selling for less right now is those people didn't participate in the market previously. 
So they don't have the experience that you and I have and the agent that just got their license six months ago has of like this craziness, right? They're like, oh, okay, you know, my I paid 250 grand for this house. You're telling me it's worth 1.2 now? All right. You, you know what even I thought was interesting? I was talking with my main mortgage guy and he was saying that when he's giving people like pre-approvals now, he's like, he's he's about 40. And he, he's like, whenever I talk to someone that's under my age, I'm really nervous to tell them that the five-year fixed is 4.5% or whatever it is. But he's like, if I talk to anybody older than me, they're like, okay. Like yeah. they, they don't even, not a second of doubt. They're like, all right, four and a half, okay. You want to hear something disgusting? Yeah. <laughs> on my uh, rental property that I brought, I timed the market perfectly on it. I'm a genius because I bought it before a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 1.8%. 1.8% fixed. 1.8% fixed uh, for five years. So I've got more than three and a half years left on that. Amazing. And you're probably going to win in those three and a half years. I, I wonder, I always wonder like the lifespan of the mortgage, if you actually held it for the total amount of time, what would win? I think variable usually wins, but you're going to win for the next five. Like that's going to win that five. Year I think, I, win. Yeah. I get to say for the rest of my life, how awesome of a move I made. Um, but <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. When I bought that, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is a four. I think I paid four seventy five. Um, I I paid four seventy five, and then my goal was in ten years. I hope this is worth six fifty. What's it worth now? Uh, neighbor, both neighbors, one two doors down, one two doors down, and down a floor just sold for six ninety nine. Both of them. Right now, they okay. did have a den, so let's take the den off. I'm going to say sure. that's thirty forty grand. Right. So let's 650 conservatively. So, but here's the other side of that. I think we may have stolen some of the next 10 years market yep. previously. Yeah. We, um, my, my broker of record ha- has this chart and, and we look in the Toronto market always over like the 40 year trends. Right. And typically we see, we see five to 7% appreciation per year through all the ups and all the bads in the last 40 years. And he had this chart. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. And basically it was like, if we had stayed on track with 7%, here's where we should be. Here's where we are. So even if we fall off here and get back to here, which we're still like halfway in between, we haven't fully got back. We're still on trend with the last 40 years of the market, but we have, and even like this year, from from the beginning of the year to December, are there going to be asset classes that went up in value? Yes, but most of all that growth would have happened between January and March. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going. I slowly- saw a scary, and this is all you know. I saw, I saw. I wish we could actually show it, and I was smart enough to to dig it up. But what I did see um, was a chart that showed the average. Mm-hmm. Let's call it right the average uh, increase over that same um, year period or whatever. And then the difference in when, once you adjust for it, the last like 10 years, we're at a way higher increase rate. So that average was actually lower previously. 100%. Right? So it was, it was like 4%, 5%, 6%, 12% in the last 10 years over the 40 year period, right? So it was like, okay, maybe we have stolen a little bit from from the future. Perhaps, I guess we'll find out, right? And 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 that's even right now, like with me making this big purchase, this will be the most expensive property I've ever bought. This will be the house that I want 
my kid to grow up in, like all these things. I'm buying this today, not because the timing is perfect in the market or the fundamentals or interest rates or whatever, but because my life, like, you know, we're so involved in this every single day. And, and we think that every single person is like watching interest rates. Like, no, like they don't listen. There's enough real estate junkies that love consuming uh, this type of information. But the average Canadian is like sitting at home being like, I don't care. I want to yeah. live here. It's my house. I'll sell it in 10 years. Like they don't care. And yeah, the thing the thing that a lot of the people that are, you know, making all the negative comments and commenting on all the negative news articles on Facebook or if people are on Twitter anymore, the negative stuff that's there doesn't take into the fact that you have kids and need an extra bedroom. Right. 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 Doesn't take into the fact that uh, you don't want to live with your parents anymore or that you and your wife don't want to live together anymore, right? Like it doesn't, none of that gets taken into. So they just pretend like, oh, I'm going to, the market does this and the market's going to crash. And the, what about life, man? Yeah. Right. So there's such a big factor. Uh, I learned that from, from a friend of mine that, that went through the 2008 ordeal in the States. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't even know how you, like, how do you do this? Houses were worth 450. You're selling them for 200. He's like, People got to move on. Yeah. People got life, right? What do you do if, if your your house is uh, half value and your job just ended and your new job's in Nashville? We're moving. Yeah. In, in 1989, which was the beginning of the only real crash of prices we've had in Toronto over the last 50 years, 42,000 properties sold that year. Mm-hmm. When prices were absolutely crashing, forty-two thousand people. When the population of Toronto was much smaller than when immigration was not what it was. When interest rates were probably way high. I have to look back at what they were that year. Forty-two thousand people said, "I'm moving." Yeah, forty-two thousand people. It will double the amount agreed on a price, a buyer and a seller. You know, uh, life happens, and the market doesn't care what you think. That's my favorite thing. It's like it is what it is. That we one person's opinion holds yeah. no standing in this market. It it's like going outside, going outside and and you know getting mad because it's raining, right? Right. Like it it is what it is. You try and make the best decisions. Maybe we're not going to plan a trip to the beach on the rainy day. That would be smart, but you can't just spend your whole life pretending that you get to spend every day at the beach and every day is going to be sunny. Have right. I told you my uh, my weather analogy that I stole from someone I heard at a real estate conference? It's no. uh, the real estate market is kind of like the weather. There's no good weather or bad weather. There's just inappropriate clothing choices. Yeah. So it's it's lack of preparation or or maybe even poor decision making. If if I'm a snowboarder and it's December and I want to go snowboarding and it doesn't snow that day, that's a bad day for me. <laughs> But someone that needs to travel three hours driving that day doesn't want it to snow because they don't want snow when they're driving that long. Like that's a good day for them. So when I look at the market right now, it's opening up opportunities for people that maybe couldn't get in it before. If you didn't transact in the last two years, frankly, none of this matters to you. If you're starting today and you're like, I want to buy and sell. If you weren't in the market, it's a different conversation. But if you had a property already, like it's relative. It doesn't. I don't think but, it changes but anything. Tom, but Tom, what about getting a better deal? 
What about getting a better deal in three months or six months? Maybe, maybe, maybe you will. And and that's one of the things I told myself with this house that I'm going to buy. If I find a house I, I want, I'm going to buy it next month. If I don't, I won't. But if I buy a house and then three months later, I see the same a comparable in the street sell for 50 grand to 100 grand less. Am I going to, is it going to ruin my day? No, because I'm buying this house for 10 years. I think that there's probably something that you and I are, I mean, first of all, being in the, in the industry, we're a little bit cold to it. My wife makes fun of me for it because every time we buy or sell a property, she's like, why are you so stressed? I'm like, <laughs> because it's mine this time. Right. But we are probably in a position where because we see it go fine for so many people so often and very rarely does it go bad, um, it's easy for us to project that onto the majority of people when there are a lot of people that are like, okay, I'm scraping in. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's hard for us is I can't manage my client's finances. No. Nope. Right. So there's a very good chance that... Um, if I could, I think they might all be in a better position, but I can't live their lives for them, right? So there, there is a bunch of people that are going to panic and wait, and that is the nature of the market, and that's what's going to cause. But do you, do you think for the first time in maybe the last decade, waiting is actually the smart choice? Like you're never gonna, you're never gonna time it to buy at whatever that bottom month is. It's going to be luck if you do. But I, I do think in a rising interest rate environment, like waiting isn't actually going to hurt you as much as it has previously when people sat Correct. on the sidelines and got completely cut out. Correct. I think, I mean, if I have to give my market prediction, first of all, realtors, I think, are really good at, at predicting uh, three months out. Sure. And I think anything past that is a guess for anybody. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to have a slow summer. Mm -hmm. And I think you will be able to buy for less later. The question is, will the other thing you're buying, which is your monthly mortgage payment, is that going to be less? And everybody thinks they're so smart, I got a deal on this property. But my experience shows me that that's the, it's like paying attention to your interest rate, right? You right. pay attention to your interest rate the day you sign for your interest rate and then never again. And then when that massive penalty comes at the end because you got the best rate but not the best mortgage, eh, right? So what matters most, your purchase price or your monthly payment? And that's where I think most people should focus and make their decision from. Now, I do think that likely moving forward, those could both be better off for you in right. a couple month period. Um, but that doesn't do anything for you if your wife is like, get out of my house, right? Like, <laughs> you can't fix that with that. So you got you to gotta make the moves when you can. I was going to say, are you speaking from personal experience? But uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. I'm in the office today, so <laughs> I've been kicked out of the house for sure. You know, I spoke with a potential first-time home buyer this morning. Someone had set up a call with me, and and they uh, they weren't quite ready. They, they were like just trying to figure out what to do. They're like, should I rent? Should I buy? I'm living with my parents. All these different things. And we ran the scenario, and they made $85,000 salary. They were under twenty-five. So pretty impressive in terms of the scheme of life, like wh where they're at salary-wise. Um, they had between sixty and seventy thousand dollars down payment, and I and we ran the numbers. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to buy in downtown Toronto, and it's a condo. What does that get you, and what does it cost? And they basically got pre-approved for about six hundred grand, 
and we ran the numbers on like, okay, we got pre-approved for 600, but we'd rather stay in the 550 range. I found 18 properties that they could have bought over the last 30 days that, that sold in that range, but they were all 500 square foot condos. And when you looked at what the monthly payments were and you put together and we were we we picked a variable rate, I think three point eight percent to be conservative, just to do the math on. Um, we looked at the fact that the land transfer tax in Toronto, frankly, sucks, and you pay double, and it is what it is. Um, and in this case, he had been on title for another property, so he couldn't get first time home buyer. Um, and we and we did the math. We said, okay, well, if you're putting that down, and you need the money for closing costs, which is land transfer, which would have been like sixteen thousand dollars, on top of everything. And you have sixty grand to put down. Basically, you got forty-five as a down payment now. So we have to put five percent in the first five hundred thousand. That's twenty-five, and then so we we're trying to figure out what we could put down. So if we put forty-five down, and anyways, long story short, just the mortgage was like twenty-eight hundred dollars on a six five hundred fifty thousand dollar condo, six hundred thousand dollar condo. Then the maintenance fees you add in are four hundred bucks, and then the taxes are one hundred and fifty bucks to two hundred bucks a month. It's like we were in for $3,600 a month for an entry-level condo. Insanity. Now, the down payment, there was mortgage insurance built in there because it wasn't 20% down. You know, my first property I bought, everything all in, I think my payments were like 1300 bucks. Yeah. You know, that's a... So, so that's what I'm trying to say is like anyone that's already in the market that's experienced the last few years of growth is sitting pretty good right now. And mm-hmm. there was an article that came out uh, that said in Toronto, you have to earn 240 grand to buy a house based on the average price. And I was like, yeah, but no one buys that house as their first property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, it, listen, that gets lost. interest rates are the big thing right now. And if they... We'll see with the fixed rate what happens with the bond yields. But like if a fixed rate gets to six percent, it's not it's not gonna be good. I think the government's gonna come up with a solution for that. I really do. Yeah. I think the government has a tool that they can use that will uh disconnect what needs to be done for the economy with interest rates with the housing market, and I think they will exercise it. Um, but not yet. I think it will be, I think it will be dealt with and maybe we should, uh, maybe we should, uh, not spoil that. And that can be our continuation into the next podcast. Is that, is that cheesy to do on a podcast? Leave it on a cliffhanger. I think we can leave it on a cliffhanger. You know, here, here's my last analogy for this episode. When the Leafs, the hockey team I cheer for that's brought me the most amount of pain over the years. When they hired Mike Babcock, it was like six years ago now. They had they were the worst team in the league before they drafted all the young kids. His first press conference, he was like, there's going to be pain. There's going to be pain for the next three years, and then we're going to get really good. It's going to be – obviously, they never got good, <laughs> got good enough. But but he, was, he made a good point, and he's like, so I think, yeah, the next year – for some people that bought in February or had HELOCs on their property that they took it out in February, there's going to be some pain, but it is a smaller portion of the overall population than I think a lot of people think. Oh, for sure. 
because the majority of people didn't move or do didn't anything. Move. Yeah. Right. No, yep. that that's not going to be an issue. You know what we forgot to do on our first ever episode, Tom? What's that? We forgot to let people know that they can subscribe and uh, watch this on YouTube's on the YouTube's yep. uh, and hit the like button to help us get this information out to more people and that this will be available and is available now on all podcasting app, I don't know all podcasting apps probably most of the podcasting apps or at least the the four that people really use unpopular opinion um YouTube premium that subscription paying 15 bucks a month is the best subscription that I pay for because I can go to video podcasts if I want to watch them. And if not, I can turn it off and the video keeps playing. So if you watch this on YouTube and you, you're like, eh, I'm, I'm done with Steve's face today and you just want to listen, you can also do that. I'm a big YouTube premium guy. Are you a YouTube shill? Are you, uh, <laughs> are you, are we sponsored by no. you, the YouTubes? No, not yet, but we're working our way up. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, let's let's wrap it. But uh, I think this was fun, and I'm looking forward to where we can take it. And uh, if anybody does watch this, I'm my goal is six views. One of them will be me, hopefully my mom, and then four more people. Uh, and then if we can get a couple of downloads on uh, on whatever Apple uh, podcasts or Amazon, uh, my preferred podcast app is Overcast, which I think is a a, a very punny. Uh, name and uh yeah that's that's where we can be what else you got tom that's it for today i'm pumped to do this we're gonna get some great guests on this is gonna be a fun show really kind of open-ended conversation about the market and we love you know your comments and feedback on on the first episode and i'm excited to see where this goes all right uh what do we do we have a sign off can i say like peace out brother or something like that bye <laughs> okay <laughs> see you man